Amen. As we get into this message tonight, we're, we're, we're looking in Matthew chapter number 7, which is the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount. The tail end of the Sermon on the Mount, it actually gets into very, very deep waters. What we're going to talk about tonight is a very deep subject. And by the time we're done with it, I pray that we all are convicted that God, that God ministers with all of us because the, the number one priority that all of us should have here tonight is number one, worshiping God. Amen. And number two, finishing our race. Amen. Running with, running with patience, the race that is set before us, Right. So in order to do that, we, we, we've got to uh, cover sometimes, some, sometimes harder ground than others. Uh, and where we're going to start out is in verse number 20. But verse number 20 is the end of a thought that the Lord Jesus is making. He said, wherefore by their fruits you shall know them. And what he's talking about is false teachers. This is how you know a false teacher. You don't know a false teacher because they have, you know, uh, shining teeth and a Mercedes Benz. Uh, just because somebody has a book in a bookstore doesn't mean they're a false teacher. You know them by their fruit. So you have to look at a combination of their words and their actions. Amen. And you have to line them up against the word of God. Because it, 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 just because somebody doesn't teach what you want them to teach doesn't mean they're a false teacher. Somebody may specialize in prophecy, and you don't like prophecy. That don't make them a false teacher. Understand. It is the fruit, making sure that the words that they speak and the actions that they commit line up with the Word of God. Amen? Somewhere in there, they got to line up with the word of God. If our actions and our words don't line up, it doesn't matter how many beautiful suits we have. It doesn't matter how many Bibles we have. It doesn't matter how many degrees we have. If our words and our actions don't line up with the word of God, we're false teachers. Plainly, that's what Jesus says. Now, it doesn't take a, 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 a college degree to understand that by your fruits, you'll know them. This is the amazing thing. If you look at who Jesus selected and who Jesus brought in to be his disciples, these were people that were not the most educated. They were hard workers, average people, amen? And we're glad for that. <laughs> so it goes to show you, and, and later on in Acts, whenever the disciples were being uh, rebuked by the Pharisees, they said that we perceive these are ignorant and unlearned men, but they've been with Jesus. They could tell that they had been with Jesus. So the, the point is, you're not looking at education. It's just that you've got to monitor whether their words and actions line up with the word of God. And so in doing that, let's think about this. Let's carry this a little bit further. Now, Jesus is obviously talking about teachers. But how many of us in here could honestly say that all the time of our lives, our words and actions lined up with the word of God? So that's a pretty that's a pretty tall hurdle <laughs> that the Lord sets. But teachers receive a greater judgment. Amen. Teachers receive a greater judgment because you're going to be held accountable for everything that you teach others. This is why it's so important to know the Word of God. And if you're going to help somebody out in the Word of God, you're going to help you know share truth with them. Make sure you're giving them not what you heard on TV. 
Make sure you're giving them what the word of God is, right? Because we're going to be held accountable for that. Now, the, the, the thought process here, it just kind of transitions, but this sets, it, this sets the stage that to, to show you something. This is why I wanted to start there in verse 20, is that there are going to be people who claim to be one thing, but they're not. I know that you don't know anybody like that. I'm just giving you forewarning. You may meet somebody in your life that is not who they say they are. Why am I saying that? Because a lot of people say they're Christians and they're not. A lot of people claim to be teachers and they're not. A lot of people claim to love God, but they don't. It's not what they say. It's a combination of their words and their actions. That's the fruit of their life, the fruit of their life. In other words, if, if, um, if I came up here and I was teaching a class on how, to, how a biblical marriage should be, but at home I was, you know, beating my wife, the fruit, right, tells on me, no matter what comes out of my mouth, right? Your actions speak. You know that your actions speak. Um, a lot of times you can quench the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit by your actions. I've seen somebody get mad because, you know, they didn't like the color on the wall or they didn't like the flowers or something like that. And everybody else in church was focused on God and they were focused on they didn't like the flowers. And so instead of worshiping, they just sat on their hands and pouted in front of everybody. It happens more than you think. Because people want things to be about them and not about God. Well, that reveals, okay? That's a fruit, and it reveals what's important to them. And a false teacher will always reveal because their fruit will always speak, the fruit of their life. Now, you may not see it because they're not going to let you come in their house, but you can mirror somebody's words against the Bible and see whether they're of God or not, okay? If somebody tells you that, you know, that they're a godly person and then they, um, you know, lie about God, then you know that that's not true. Now, as we get into this portion of, of, of this scripture, understand something. This is heavy and, and, and deep, and it's as deep as you'll allow God to take you. So, and I pray that after we're done that you just continue to, to meditate on these verses um, let's, let's begin in verse number 21. So, uh, you know them by their fruits, right? Jesus says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, these three verses we're going to dig into a little bit tonight and, 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 and examine them in the light of God's word in some other places, but let's start here at the beginning. He said that not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven is where you want to go when you pass on. 
He's the kingdom of heaven. That's where God reigns. Amen? Now, you can study the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God and see there's some differences there. Kingdom of God is spiritual. Kingdom of heaven is an actual place. This is God's territory. Kingdom of, Jesus told the Pharisee, kingdom of God's within you. Spiritual thing. Kingdom of heaven is where God reigns. Now watch this. He said that, that many, look what he says here. He says, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone. So there are going to be people that say, Lord, Lord, that don't get to go to heaven. That should scare somebody. Just because you say, Lord, Lord, don't mean that you're going to heaven. Okay? And so this, this is a very serious topic. And, and nothing could be more important. Nothing could be more important. If, you know, if we're not sure, if we're not sure of our, the state of our soul, we shouldn't go another day because anything could happen. Watch this. Who is it that is allowed to go into the kingdom of heaven? He that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now, before we get into that, understand the Lord's not telling you you got to work your way to heaven. The will of God is that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that you love God. I'm going to show you that in a minute. The will of God for your life is that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you love him and that you obey him all your days. That's the will of God for your life. And when we make it anything other than that, we set ourselves up as those false teachers that he was talking about earlier. Continuing into the next verse. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Let's examine that. Not to get too deep in it, but look what, there's three things. They, they prophesied, they cast out devils, and they did wonderful works. And Jesus said, you can do all that, but if I don't know you, it doesn't mean anything. You can prophesy till the cows come home. You can cast out devils and get on TV. And you can do wonderful works and get your name in newspapers. But if you don't know Jesus, it doesn't mean anything doesn't mean anything if you don't know Jesus. So, you know, whenever we look at things and we look at situations, we see somebody that prophesies or we see somebody that casts out devils or we see somebody that does all these wonderful works for God. You got to examine it and make sure, do they know Jesus though, right? But we got to internalize that and say, do I know Jesus? We've got to examine our own hearts you know what? How sad would it be if you were the one that examined everybody else when you yourself didn't know God? How sad would it be if you had a magnifying glass and you were measuring everybody else up? You were sizing them up. They're, they're not right. They're not right. They're not. And the whole time, things weren't well at home. Amen? Look, this is too serious. You only get one shot on this life. Solomon said, it's but a vapor. This life is but a vapor. It's here today and gone. Just like that. How many of y'all remember what it was like to be young? Seems like yesterday. 
Seems like yesterday. Just, just, you know what though? Life goes fast. Life goes fast. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. And only what's eternal will last. And what is eternal is knowing Jesus. What is eternal is knowing God. What is eternal is God. And so what he says here is that even though you prophesy, cast out devils, and do many wonderful works, verse 23, I will profess to them, I never knew you. Why did he not know them? Because they worked iniquity. Now, this is important before we get into this to understand exactly what iniquity is. Iniquity means walking crooked. Um, some, some definitions kind of allude to it, to it like this, that there is a, a straight path and you deviate from it. Iniquity is walking crooked, walking against God. That's what iniquity is, purposefully deviating from the truth purposely deviating from the truth when you know now it's one thing to mess up and not know no better because aren't we all kind of ignorant like that sometimes it's one thing to mess up and not know no better and to kind of realize it and say oh god i'm never doing that again i'm sorry lord oh god have mercy on me that's one thing but it's different when you live a life of iniquity that means when you know what the truth is, when you know what the right thing to do is, you know the right way to live, but you deviate from it. That's iniquity. That is risking a lot, okay? That's gambling with a lot, and you're not supposed to gamble, by the way, even though, we, even though we're in Bossier City. So, but look, here's the thing. Iniquity is when you know what's right. For example, if somebody knows from the word of God that it's an abomination to be a sodomite or homosexual, but yet does it anyways, they're deviating from what they know the Bible says. That's iniquity. Iniquity will blind somebody. Iniquity will harden a heart. Iniquity will set people up for failure. Iniquity will cause people. You know, have you ever gone in the woods and, and you were supposed to turn at this tree, but you missed it and you turned at that tree, and now you don't know where you're at? Lost in the woods. You ever done something like that? We used to go explore in the woods all the time when I was little. We did that stuff all the time. Get turned around real quick when you miss one sign. When you're in the woods. And that's how it is with iniquity. You, 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 you know what the right thing to do is, but you choose to go off that path. You choose to deviate from that. And before you know it, you don't even know where you're at. You don't know up from down. What happens is your heart will get hardened. That's what will happen. God will turn you over to a reprobate mind. You continue in wickedness, you continue in iniquity, you continue pressing against God, God will eventually turn you over to a reprobate mind. Then you'll begin arguing. Well, I know that's what God says, but this is how I feel, and God's okay with you. You'll begin making up all kinds of nonsense because your mind has been converted to a reprobate state. 
This is the danger of, of living in iniquity. This is why it's so important to live our lives in the mirror or the light of God's word, to allow God's word to have its way in our lives so that we can you know, examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith, as it says in 2 Corinthians 13. Examine yourself. See if you're in the faith. How do you examine yourself? There's not a test on a piece of paper. It's examining yourself in the light of God's word. It's not about some church telling you you're in the faith. You don't need a certificate from the second church of third street. You need to examine yourself against the word of God to see if you're in the faith. And if you deviate, if you walk in iniquity, you're blinded. You're blinded. And many people will choose their sinful life over God's truth. And that is iniquity. And that's what the Lord's talking about. He said, I didn't know you because you work iniquity. You think that it's a game to him. And it's not. So much is at stake in our lives and yet we play. But the Lord says, I never knew you. How many people will exit this life and think they're going to be at heaven, right? All the while, the Lord says, I never knew you. Well, I, I said in church, I heard the messages. I got a certificate from Second Church on Third Street. I got the certificate on my wall. He said, but you worked iniquity. I don't know you. I don't know you. How serious is that? Eternally serious. I said this morning, I heard a preacher say the scariest thing about hell is that it is just as literal as what the Bible says. Weeping and gnashing of teeth, burning and fire for eternity, torment. Oh, screams of hell forever, unending pain and anguish, weeping, begging for mercy, and there is none, begging for it to stop, and it never stops. And all the while, God offers himself to us, and all we've got to do is choose him today. All we've got to do is choose him today. That's why it's important we were understanding about dispensations earlier. We live in the church age. We live in the day and the age of grace. This is the time when you can come to God through the body of Jesus Christ. Amen? And come boldly to the throne of grace. Obtain that mercy that we all need. We all need God's mercy. We all need God to be merciful to us. But God wants us to walk upright. God wants us to depart from iniquity. God wants us to leave the crooked path and walk on the straight and the narrow path. Amen? Now, let me, let's go to a, a couple of places and we're going to kind of examine this and, and, and go a couple of levels deeper in this. Just to begin, let's go to Titus uh, chapter number 1. So Titus chapter number 1. And in Titus, you have Paul writing this letter to one of his preachers. And you kind of get a glimpse of 
the problems that Titus had because he was dealing with people that were false teachers. And if you've never been around a false teacher, just hang around. They're everywhere. You've got to constantly monitor what people say and do against the word. And what was happening, I mean, all throughout the Bible, just dealing with, with false teachers and, 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 not, and not even false teachers, but false teachings, false teachings. Look what it says. Look what it says in verse number 10. It says, there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers especially they of the circumcision. Now, what does that represent? That's, these are people who, who believe that they're made right by the law. That's what that represents. Whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses. This is amazing. A false teaching can creep into a home and take a whole family away from God. To subvert it is basically what happened to the Titanic. It, it, it hit that iceberg from underneath, and it just sinks you. This is a subversion. A, a false teaching can enter into a home, and you can you know, start watching some false teacher on Facebook or YouTube and begin to fall away from the Lord. And this false teaching subverts this whole house whose mouth, and look, Paul doesn't say, just tolerate them. He said their mouths must be stopped. That, well, that's not very loving. Yes, when you love the truth, it is. When you love the truth, it is. And so he said their mouths must be stopped, subverting whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake, which is buy my DVD for $19.99, basically. All right. Um, and now skip down to verse number 14. Um, well, let's look at verse 13. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. There's your iniquity, okay? Turning from the truth is deviating from the right path. Unto the pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. That's the reprobate mind that I told you about earlier. Okay, you see how this parallels? When, when, when they don't want the truth, their mind becomes unbelieving, and nothing is pure, and their mind and conscience become defiled. They can't think straight. When you, look, look, we're going to get to verse 16, but look, when you know the truth and you deviate from it, which is iniquity, things aren't pure anymore. You don't have pure thoughts anymore. Your mind and your conscience become defiled. You begin, once you begin to do that one step, you will begin to justify many things. Understand this, Satan wants to destroy you. He's not satisfied that you sin a little. He wants to take you completely away from the, from the family of God. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. He wants to move you away from the people of God and from God. 
He wants to do all that he can do to disarm you, to disempower you. He wants to do all that he can do. And so once you begin to, to walk in a little bit of iniquity, your mind begins to get impure, then your conscience and your mind are defiled, and now you can't think straight. That's the reprobate mind. Once your mind's defiled, you can't think straight. You'll, you'll, start, you'll start arguing with people that, that, you know, well, Jesus never talked about homosexuality. Well, Jesus is the Word of God. The Word of God littered with all of it. Amen. You'll start arguing all kinds of crazy stuff when your mind gets defiled. Listen, once again, when you know the truth, the truth is that we're not made righteous by anything but by faith and grace in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when you deviate from that and you get over here into iniquity, your mind gets corrupted, defiled. You can't think straight. You'll begin arguing with people, subverting whole houses. Verse 16. They profess that they know God. Ding, ding, ding. Lord, Lord. Haven't we done this? Haven't we done that? Lord, Lord. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and unto every good work, reprobate, reprobate. You know what a reprobate is? Somebody who doesn't meet the standard, somebody who doesn't meet the test, disqualified. The, the, the reprobate is somebody who doesn't measure up with God's measuring stick. Look, Jesus said, there's going to be people that say, Lord, Lord, and I'm going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, you who work iniquity, you who deviate from the truth. You've lied to yourself. You've defiled your minds. You've subverted homes. You've lied. And you know it. And I don't know you because you work iniquity. And look at this very terminology that, that Paul uses. Look at this very terminology. They say they know God, but in works they deny him. What works? That's exactly what Jesus said. You who work iniquity. You see how that, that passage just comes right along beside it and preaches the same truth. They were working iniquity, even though they said they know God. Now, look, now, now let's just think about this in practical terms because we're just, you know, average folks. There are people who say they know God, who say they love God, but they have iniquity. By their works, they reveal iniquity. Now, it doesn't mean that it, it, I'm not talking of iniquity. Let me, let me come back to this. Iniquity is not, oh, wow, I stepped in mud. Guess I'm not saved. That's not iniquity, okay? That's just that's saying, oh, God, I'm sorry. Be merciful to me and repenting of that thing, right? Iniquity is when you know something God doesn't approve of, something that God hates, but you go and do it anyways. You purposely leave the straight path. 
And once you do that, you'll start justifying this, that, and the other. And, and you know who you're going to be, you know who you're going to be mad at? You're going to be mad at the people that won't compromise like you. You're going to be mad at the, the, the holy roller. You know, who do they think they are? Everybody's got something in their closet. You're going to be all the time doing that kind of stuff when the exact opposite of what is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, not forsake assembling ourselves with one another. We're supposed to be there, connected with one another, helping each other move forward in the Lord. You see somebody, you see somebody with issues, pray for them, help them, encourage them, tell them they can do it. But yet, when you've got iniquity and your mind gets defiled, you start saying, yeah, who do they think they are? When, when you've compromised, you think everybody else is compromised too. Well, I know they got some kind of sin because we all got it. Yeah, you're just telling on yourself. <laughs> I know something's wrong, I mean, because they can't go that long without... Keep on telling on yourself. That's a defiled mind. Because with God, God wants us to grow in Christ-likeness. He wants us to grow in holiness, to grow in grace. Peter says to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what he wants you to do. You know what? I always say this, though. If you're not front sliding, what are you doing? Yep, and there's not a teeter-totter not a teeter-totter it's a slide we're either moving forward in God or backwards and this year as we begin this year this is a perfect time to say you know what God it's time for me to go wholeheartedly after you it's time for me to go wholeheartedly after you I believe that Lord's telling the church to get our houses in order I believe God's telling our, the church to get our houses in order to make sure that we're walking upright with no iniquity in our lives. It's going to be very important in the days ahead that we don't allow iniquity because, because we know before the Lord returns, there's going to be a strong delusion that comes on the church, not on the world, on the church. The great falling away doesn't happen to the people of the world. They're already fallen away, fell away. I'm from Texas, forgive me. They already fallen away. The, the, the people of the world, they're already, they're already falling out. The delusion, the strong delusion that comes, comes to the church. Now, I don't have to go to church. I can get what I need at home. I keep thinking that. It's a reprobate mind. I don't need this. I can do that. Keep thinking that. It's a reprobate mind. I don't need to, I, I mean, I, I don't murder. What's wrong with, you know, little adultery or fornication? I mean, I'm not hurting anybody. You know what? You are. You are. You're hurting God. You're hurting yourself, and you're hurting others. And because your mind is defiled, you think you're not talk to somebody that's been wrapped up in pornography they'll justify it well I'm not hurting anybody there's people behind the pictures you're hurting them you're hurting God 
You're hurting yourself and you're hurting them. But when we have iniquity, I want you to get a picture of this. Iniquity is knowing the truth and deviating from it. You start getting your mind corrupted, defiled, reprobate mind. Reprobate mind. Now, these passages just interlock one in another. This reprobate mind that we're talking about is something, it is God's gift to the rebellious. A reprobate mind is God's gift to the rebellious. Don't want God? God says, here. Here. It's just like Pharaoh getting a hard heart. What was his prize for not letting God's people go? A hard heart. You see, God, God pled with him. Let my people go. God gave him opportunity. Let my people go. Do the right thing. These are my people. These are the people of promise. There's a promise given to Abraham. These are my people. Let them go. And time after time after time, he wouldn't do it. God hardened his heart, which is a picture of somebody with a reprobate mind. You try to talk to them about the Bible, they'll twist it just like Satan does. Now understand, remember how Satan tried to, he tried to tempt Jesus? He didn't use philosophy. He didn't use the book of Jasher. He didn't use the book of Enoch. You know what he used? The word of God. Amen. Hath God said. Is what he said in the Garden of Eden to Eve. Hath God said. And what he did to Jesus is he just presented the, the verses of Scripture out of context. Reprobate mind. You try to talk to somebody that's in iniquity. You try to give them the Bible. They're going to come back with Bible, but out of context. Did God really say that? That's not what God meant. You know what? The Bible plainly says what it says. The number one rule of, of, of understanding the Bible. Number one rule. Unless it's painfully obvious it's an illustration, it's not an illustration. You'll know. You'll know when God is giving you an illustration. For example, when God says, you know, um, don't be drunk with wine. Vain philosophy or people that will twist the scripture will say, well, don't be drunk with wine means, like, okay, drunk means when you have uh, gone to the store and you've gone uh, this way and you haven't been really indulging in God and you, they, what, they, what they're doing is they're twisting the meaning of words. Um, there's a, a form of this called Christian science, Christian science. If you've ever heard that, there's no, uh, it's Walter Martin, he famously said, there's nothing Christian about them and there's nothing scientific about them. But what they do is they redefine everything in the Bible. So when you say cross and they say cross, you're talking about two totally different things just using the same word. When you say I got saved, and they say I got saved, the same word, but different meanings. When you say saved, you mean I got born again, given new life, and I've got a home in heaven by the grace of God. When they say saved, they mean I've become enlightened. 
my mind has been opened up to deeper truth. Now I know that I'm alive. It's a, it's, it is a, a new age kind of concept, but what they do is they put Christian words on top of it to mask it. So anytime you deal with somebody in Christian science, understand you're speaking the same words, but you got a different language. What, how does somebody get in that? It's a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind will go to the Word of God and redefine the Bible. You can't be in your right mind. This is somebody who has deviated from the truth and begun to walk in iniquity, and God has given them over to a reprobate mind, and they've carried it out to the fullest extent that Satan wants, which is twisting God's Word. Hath God said. That's exactly what he wants. Let me show you... Um, Two other places. First, go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 8. 1 Corinthians chapter number 8. It's actually one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Favorite passages. This is in verse... Number three, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number three. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. You see, here's a hallmark of somebody that knows Jesus, is that they love God. And if you love God, you will line your life up according to his way. When you love somebody, you sacrifice for them. When you love somebody, you sacrifice for them. You'll, you'll do things for them instead of for you, right? You know that love's not a feeling, right? Love is an action. In case you don't get it, God so loved that he gave. God so loved that he gave. Love is an action, and it wasn't predicated on our goodness. It wasn't predicated on our value was predicated on God's goodness. It's predicated on God's mercy. God loved, so he gave, loves in action. You know that some people don't respond to God. God loved them anyhow. Now, the, the, the thing, about, uh, thing about this verse is those that love God are known of him. So there's... There's getting into this knowledge level. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John uh, chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. When you, when you get into this place of knowing God, this is where the intimate relationship begins. You see, it's not about getting a certificate from Second Church on 3rd Street. God wants a relationship not a certificate. It's easy to raise your hand, get a certificate, walk out of church, and never go back. But God wants you. He wants your life. He wants your life. I didn't get a chance to go in there, but I, I alluded to it earlier, Romans 12. This is the will of God for your life, right? Remember what that is? Present yourselves a living sacrifice. This is God's will for your life. Present your bodies, present yourself a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable unto him. That's God's will for your life. 
It says you surrendering to him. Saying, God, here I am. Whatever you want me to be, I'll be. And when you surrender like that to God, you get into this intimacy. That's what God desires is this intimacy. It's to know you. Nobody loves you like him. And God wants to walk through life with you. You see, the Holy Spirit says he's our comforter. He's our companion. He's our helper. He comes to guide us and lead us into all truth. But the, the comforter is there. Think about the word. The comforter is there to comfort you. Through all of life's ups and downs, the Holy Spirit's there for you, with you, and abiding in you. God wants to be there, and yet we want to check out. But you see, this intimacy that comes from knowing God, it will lead you to go deeper in God. You can't say really that you know God if you're not going deeper in God. To know God is to crave God, love God, pursue God, and go after him. This is why I said front slide, back slide. There's no teeter-totter. There's no, well, you know, I'm kind of, yeah, I, you know, I try, I try, you know, I do my best. It's, you don't do your best. You either are or you're not. When we stand before God, we're not going to be up there saying, I did my best. We're going to be saying, I'm sorry. I always, well, here, I didn't get to quote Leonard Ravenhill earlier today, so here's your Leonard Ravenhill quote. He said that when we stand before God, the thing that we're going to be most embarrassed of is our puny prayer life. That's convicting. He's not going to be able to say, well, you know, the game was on, the, this was on, I had to wash clothes, I had to work, I had to do this. You know what? It's amazing how when the, when the boss tells us to be there at 8, we're there at 8. But when church starts at 10, people don't come. God, God has a meeting to worship him, right, every Sunday. And it's amazing how we can't line ourselves up with that. It's amazing how we prioritize everything else under the sun except for God. And then we want to walk around saying that we know God, we love God, but we don't prioritize God. God's looking for us to walk deeper, to know him more, to follow after him, to know him. Now, this intimacy that we're talking about tonight is a knowledge. Not everybody has it. Not everybody has it. Jesus told us earlier, there are people that say, Lord, Lord, that he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. I think, you know, some of the, sometimes, some, some, some of us, the loudest ones are the ones that got, you know, we're masking stuff. Things aren't right. Think about it. I can just hear in my mind. Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we do many wonderful works for you? Jesus says the whole time, depart from me. I never knew you. Wow. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on the church. 
Lord, have mercy on the church. We got to get the church in order. We got to get our houses in order. Now, look at uh, chapter 2. I, I told you to go to 1 John chapter number 2. Um, look at verse number 15. What, remember what I told you? I know you didn't probably memorize it yet. I know you will later. But 1 Corinthians 8, it said, those that love God are known of him, right? Those that love God are known of him. Those that love God are known of him. Look at verse number 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Hmm. Well, I don't love the world more than I love God. Well, do you prioritize the world over God? Push comes to shove at some point. At some point, push has got to come to shove. At some point, we've got to deal with the reality of the matter. It's like if I told my wife I loved her, but I never, never talked to her. You know, you can tell somebody you love them and not love them. Do you prioritize them? You tell my wife I love her, but prioritize everybody else above her. Actions speak louder than words, don't they? What about God? You tell God we love God, but we prioritize everything else but God. Well, I go to church when I can. I pray when I can. I think about God when I can. It's going to be a day when you're going to be sorry for that. It's going to be a day. Love not the world, neither things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't have both. Your heart can't hold both. You know, there's not, you, you don't have a church life and then a normal life. Let me say it like this. If you do things at home that you wouldn't do at church, you've got a double life. If you watch things on TV that you wouldn't watch at church, you've got a double life. We used to always hear preachers say, you know, well, it, while you're watching that movie, what if Jesus came back and he was watching it with you? Would you still watch it? You know, it's kind of silly stuff. But honestly, things that we do at home, would we be bold enough to do it in the open in church? Because we shouldn't live a veiled life like that. We shouldn't have a double life. You know, a double-minded person is unstable in some of their ways, right? Some of their ways? Oh, no, they're just unstable folks, right? They're unstable in all their ways. That's right. A double-minded person is a person who lives a double life. On Sunday, if they come to church, they got the right mind, but when they go home, they switch gears. It's double-mindedness. Double-mindedness. And a double-minded person you can't count on. They're unstable. You wonder why things aren't going right when you got a double mind. Look in verse number 16. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, 
is not of the Father, but it is of the world. That's why you can't have both. The world represents the things that God hates. The world is ridden with sin. All kinds of sin in it. And the world passed away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Goes right back at Mary's, right back up to what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Talking about the will of God. Those that work iniquity will get cast out of the kingdom. But those that do the will of God will be welcomed with open arms. What is the will of God for your life? That you give yourself to God. That you present yourselves a living sacrifice. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says the will of God for your life is to be thankful to God. Romans, it says it's to present yourself a living sacrifice. The will of God for your life summed up is basically this, that you receive the gift of Jesus, that you give yourself to God, and that you live a life unto him couple of passages about the will of God uh, also talk about a, a, a servant. God calls a servant to serve as unto God. And he said, this is the will of God for your life. This is an image of what God wants us to do. How God wants us to order our lives. Not thinking of ourselves first, but kingdom first. Self first mentality. will defile your mind. Kingdom first mentality will clear it. You'll begin to see straighter. You'll begin to see clearer. You'll begin to see right, wrong. Of God, not of God. But if not, if you continue in iniquity, it will blind you. Yeah, you know, um, I'm gonna, I'm I'm done right now, but I just want to tell a story on myself. Before I got right with God, I used to be around friends that would get drunk as a skunk and then argue the Bible till the sun came up. Not a one of them was right with God. Not a one of them. Not a one of them. There was people in that group that, that had multiple girlfriends they lived with, and, you know, some of them were homosexuals, and some of them were just outright scoundrels and thieves. I mean, the whole, every, it was just. <laughs> but everybody, whenever they got drunk as a skunk, they would debate the Bible till the sun came up thinking they knew something about God when their works denied God. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruit. Not their words, their fruit. Okay? And if other people, let me just leave you with this. This is free of charge. If other people are known by their fruit, you are known by your fruit too. 
Don't just put the magnifying glass on other folks. Yeah, I'm going to know them by their fruit. Turn it on you. Are you where you should be? Are you where you should be? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul lays out last words to the Corinthian church. Examine yourselves to see if you be in the faith. Nothing could be more important. Some of his last words to this, you know, the Corinthians church, a lot of people think that the, that the, uh, the, the girl or his body was the thorn in his side. <laughs> Could have been the Corinthian church. <laughs> just think about it. But the last words he gave to this church that he just, you know, he just had to baby this church, you know. For a while they was too carnal. He couldn't even, he couldn't even teach them deep things because they were so carnal. He had people in their church that were living in adultery and fornication and they weren't even removing them from the church. And his last words to them were, examine yourselves, see if you be in the faith. Now, well, that's for them. No, that's for us. He's the apostle to the church, apostle to the Gentiles. So I think, I just want to close and look, I know that this was a deep message, but I only preach what God tells me to preach. This wasn't on my calendar. God just told me to preach it. So I know that it's deep, but it's needed. I, I'll, I'll say this. I believe that God's doing a work in the church, and I, got, I know, well, Lord willing, I have some sermons about holiness that I want to preach that I feel like God wants me to preach but it's because that I believe we're coming into a time when the church is going to have to separate from the world. Okay? I don't mean, I don't, just, you, if you miss some of our Wednesday night classes, you probably don't understand what I'm, but we've got to live holy. The day and the hour that we're coming up into, it's going to be imperative that the light is not put under a bushel anymore. Okay, and so, and, and I just believe we're coming up into a very important time prophetically. I believe we're coming up into a very important time, and it's time for us to get our house in order. Last thing, I mentioned the delusion. We'll get into that some more on some of these upcoming Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, but it's very important to remember the delusion doesn't come on the world. It comes on us. And we've got to hold closely to the truth of God's word or we're going to believe lies. I've heard people say they're going to come up with archaeological discoveries that will try to undermine the word of God. They're going to come up with a strong delusion. And look, it comes from God. God is sifting. When that comes, God is sifting the fake from the real. And the fake will be sifted in truth. It's so important for us to grab it now. To grab it now. And look, I, I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. But, and, and, and after we get done, if you want to pray, I'll pray with you. But I beg you, search your own hearts. I beg you to search your own hearts. And if you're not right, if you're not right, get right with God. You don't even have to tell me or anybody else. This is between you and him. The Bible says that there's one mediator 
between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. One mediator. Jesus is your high priest. Jesus is the one you need to lay down some stuff to, surrender to. And so I I just beg you, you know, I believe that it's going to be essential. I mean, all of us, all of us need to check ourselves. All of us. You say, God, if there's any wicked or false way, if I'm walking in iniquity and my mind's already defiled on a certain subject or whatever, help me, God. Help me to see the truth. Open my eyes, God, and weigh yourself against the Word of God. Amen? Amen.